Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today is Neil Meller. Now, Neil Meller spent 10 years as a professional footballer from 2002 to 2012, representing Liverpool, West Ham, Wigan, Preston, and Sheffield Wednesday. Since then, he's reframed his career and he's now a Sky Sports pundit. Now, Neil talks to us about his career, about some of the setbacks that he's faced, and he shares insights into his mindset and some practical tips on mindset as well. So I'm really looking forward to, to this episode with Neil. Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today, I've got Neil Meller. Hi, Neil. Paul, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. How are you? Things going well this week? Things are going well this week, yeah. Um, since I finished playing footballer, I bought something which I use all the time. It's a diary. Never had one when I was a footballer, but now I'm not. I use that diary religiously and I have to check what's going on. And it seems more and more, certainly these days, post-COVID and, and still COVID times, Zoom calls and podcasts are becoming more and more regular. Right, okay. So, so what have you actually been up to this week then? I get my diary out, have a little look, just yeah. to uh, to remind myself. Um, did, did squeeze a little game of golfing, which is always nice for the um, oh, good, good. for exercise and to clear the mind. But I've also interviewed um, a couple of former Liverpool players for Liverpool TV, just to see what their football journey is at the moment. So that's sort of the reporting side. Um, I've done a, a football podcast and also uh, preparation for a keynote, which I'm delivering at the end of this week. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, well... That, that, that's, a, that's a great week in my mind, obviously, because I'm a big Liverpool supporter anyway. So that must be great getting to interview the players and be part of that. So Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, so just, just to start, I mean, I start every podcast episode with you just telling the listeners about your story. So is it okay if, if you tell us in your words what you see your story as being, Neil? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, I feel fortunate i feel grateful that i got to live my dream my dream was to become a professional football player and now a lot of people perhaps have that same dream when they're growing up young boys young girls probably hundreds of millions in all honesty around the world have that same dream but but i was one, one of the lucky ones to to get to enjoy that to have moments along the way to play for liverpool football club one of the biggest clubs in the world, in my opinion, and have what I describe as yes moments, moments where fans 10, 15, probably 20 years now later can still remember those moments. So I would love to have scored more goals, to have achieved more in terms of medals, trophies, but to have those yes moments makes fulfilling that dream certainly worthwhile. So, so, so that was something huge for me to be a professional football player, um, and, and then post-career, obviously, it's very difficult, that transition period. But I've since created a new dream, which was the media work, which I now work at Sky Sports yeah. and also Liverpool Football Club. So it's a variety of different roles. I report on football matches. I interview managers. I interview players. I commentate on football matches. And one thing I've always believed, Paul, in football is football is about opinion. There is no right. There is no wrong. The people who love the game, love the game and are entitled to that opinion. So I really enjoy um, post-career still being involved in the, in the game, which is something I've always loved from a young boy. 
I'm just going to take you back because, you know, I, I remember being at uh, one of those yes moments, which was the 2004-2005 season, when you scored that wonderful goal against Arsenal. And I think it was into the cup. I, mm. I sat on mm. the Anfield Road end and, and, and witnessed that goal. So, so was that one of your big yes moments? Paul, can I ask you, did you stay in the ground? Because I scored in the 91st minute and a few fans had left the ground early. Yeah, I was there. I, I saw it, yeah. So I, I'm, <laughs> one of, I'm one of those fans. Who I, I don't believe, unless I've, I've actually got to really be somewhere, I don't believe in leaving until the game's over. So yeah, I, I saw the goal, yeah. So you saw it from? From, from, from the Anfield Road then? Yes, moments, which was sort of like, what, you were in the Anfield Road by the away fans? Yeah, yeah, that's, I've had a season ticket all my life. So I, I, I was sat there and, you know, it, it was just one of those phenomenal goals. You know, the way I describe it, it was, it was like Steven, it was like a Steven Gerrard goal, wasn't it? So, you know, a brilliant moments uh, and obviously <laughs> a great goal by you. It was nice to, to have that moment. So going, going from the football, I mean, obviously you, you've had an amazing football career. I'm, you know, to, to move from football into TV punditry was that was it an easy transition or did you find it difficult? To most people, they may think it's easy. They may assume it's easy. And that I'd always dreamed of doing, and it came out early at the age of twenty nine. wasn't expecting it. wasn't ready, if I'm being honest. And you have to remember that when you come out of the game, and for me, football, you miss a lot of things. Now, for me, I miss the adulation from the fans. And it wasn't always great. You know, sometimes I did get booed. Yeah, I get that when it didn't play well. But I missed the bus, that match day bus, the dressing room bus. I missed financially the money I used to get as a professional football player. It was, it was, we were paid very, very well. I missed the structure in my life, being told where to be. From the age of five, I'd always had structure in my life. Primary school, secondary school, professional football from the age of 16. So that was a big loss, which in transition time is something that you have to come to deal with. Like I mentioned a little bit earlier on, a diary. A diary for me was massive. Even writing things like cutting my grass. Having something to do was so important to, to fill that void of lack of structure. Um, but, but that was where I had to reevaluate what my, my new dream was, which was to be working in media, which was next after playing professional football, which was so important for me to really focus on. And it's something I talk about in my keynote that... That difficulty, that challenge, obstacles, whatever you want to call it, adversity, and, and it's being able to overcome that. And it's not easy. And, and there's no manual to say, if you think this way for this amount of time, you will come through it. You know, there's no set time for that. For me, it, it was probably about 12 months of, of really tough times before I could come through it and get another opportunity to fulfill that next dream, which was media for me. Yeah, excellent. That's such a great example of reframing your mindset. And, and it must really be hard from going from the adulation of the fans to all of a sudden you've got to think about what you're going to do next. Now, mm. I know that you do, as you mentioned, you do keynote speaking and you tend to talk about, about resilience. You know, how, how's that going? It's, uh, I'm enjoying it. It's different. It's something completely new to me. But um I think what you find with a lot of certainly former football players, they go down the after dinner route, which was something that I never really enjoyed. And I knew that my name wasn't quite as strong as many others on the circuit. So I ventured to go down a different route, which was the keynote talking, which was more corporate, even going into different schools to, to be able to help people and to give them a better understanding about 
you know, some of the challenges that we experience and how it's up to us, how we can overcome those difficult times. So I've enjoyed it. The, the training was intense. I was in a Victorian ice bath for two minutes with, with about a thousand ice cubes. It was so freezing. Um, but, it, but it was preparation for this next step involving the keynote. So I'm enjoying getting out and about. The remote is okay, but I prefer to interact with my audience and really connect with them um, being on location at events. Excellent. So when we talk about mindset then, because obviously you've re reframed your mindset to be able to do the, the stuff that you, you know, you're really enjoying now. So why is mindset so important in what you do? Yeah, I, I suppose it's so important, in my opinion, is because it can be the difference between happy times, bad times, sad times, successful times and unsuccessful times. It can be make such a big difference if that mindset is is more aware, more focused. And um, and that's why it certainly helped me be clear in, in my own mind. And yeah, there are difficult times, sad times, but because of the strength of that mind, I have more successful times than unsuccessful ones. Right, smooth with you. And, and how would you describe your mindset when, you know, you're being successful? How, how would you describe that? Yeah, I, I would probably say um, that for me, what's important for me is I created my own sort of motto to say that I think about what I can do and not what I can't do. So, so for me, that was really important. Certainly when I finished playing football, I didn't think about, not being able to play football anymore because my dream had been taken away. I didn't feel sorry for myself. I didn't hide away, which is quite easy to, to do. Uh, and I've seen friends, teammates thinking about what they can't do and, and had some very challenging times and experiences. Um, whereas I chose to really focus my mind on what I can do. And, and that's how I choose to live my life. What can I do? Okay, well, I can succeed. I can, I can, I can do this. And, um, and that's something that I strongly believe in. And that's why... It is one of my mottos, that mindset for me. Brilliant. I mean, that's like a practical tip in itself, which kind of leads to my next question was, have you got any practical tips that you use to, to help enhance your mindset? Yeah, well, that being one of them, certainly the motto, um, the fact that it is up to us and nobody else. <laughs> you know, it's not a case of waiting about and hoping that somebody else will do it for us. It's a case of it's wearing, wearing control, we're in charge of, of our own mindset and uh, and that's the power that we have to so make the most of that power that we have by controlling our own mindset and not letting other people control that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that reminds me of a book by Viktor Frankl in Search of Meaning where, you know, he, he was a Jew in the Nazi concentration camps and basically he was being tortured and he said, well, they might be able to hurt my body and touch my body, but they can't hurt me, Viktor Frankl. And what yeah. he was basically saying is, you know, in, in that moment, you can control your emotions and, and your, your response to the situation. So, you know, absolutely mm -hmm. right. Um, who's, who's actually helped you develop your mindset then, Neil, over the years? Yeah, a few people. Uh, when I played professional football, um, I, I, I seeked help at the age of 26, so quite late, really. And back then, you have to remember that turning to a psychologist was sort of almost frowned upon what you need psychological help. I was like, yeah, I do. I remember I was sat on the bench in professional football at Yeovil town away for Sheffield Wednesday. And I was looking around thinking, what am I doing here? I've been at Anfield 
experience in those Champions League nights. And, and, and this this is sad. So, so I went to see a psychologist. He'd been a football player. He'd been a manager. So he, he understood the position that I found myself in. And he was a huge help for me. Um, I, I managed to really... And pick up my career toward the latter stages, my goal scoring, scoring hat tricks, um, and becoming a better player in that process just from working alongside him. So he was really important for me, certainly during that playing career. Also, um, uh, Paul McVeigh and, and Leon Lloyd, I, I've done uh, a course with them on keynote speaking. Leon was a former rugby player, Paul McVeigh was a former football player. So they've been certainly a big help in, in refocusing what I can achieve with the keynote. Uh, and one of the biggest probably has to be my wife. She was a big support for me during a difficult time. Uh, I think we all know stats, figures where professional athletes, me being an ex-football player, split up, get divorced. When you come out of football, I was one of the fortunate ones to have really good support from my wife, which was a big help during a difficult time. Superb, superb. And, and it is, isn't it? You know, that, that transition, you know, we read in the papers about so many players that have really struggled with the mental health because football is, you know, playing football is the only thing that they've ever known, as, as, you, as you've said yourself. So, you know, it, it's been brilliant that you've been able to reframe what you do and that you're really successful in what you do now. Um, you know, just just go, you know, stay, stay in there with the, the likes of the interviews that you do now. I mean, obviously you, you were surrounded by brilliant players when you were playing. You now get to interview the, these brilliant players. What is it that you take away from from their mindset when you're interviewing them? Is is there anything that we can learn from that? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because the game has has changed a little bit, certainly from from when I was playing. I think I think social media plays a big part, uh, certainly in in the current players' mindset because they're a little bit more fearful, they're a little bit more cautious, uh, resistful to really open up. Certainly to, to to my time because there was no Twitter, there was no Instagram, there was no TikTok, none of that. So we didn't have those same worries, which I think this modern generation of players don't use it to their advantage or a lot more fearful from that. So when I, I do speak to players and, and I interview them, I think they're a lot more guarded than than perhaps certainly they used to be sort of 15, 20 years ago when I was playing. Yeah, that, that, that's a real shame, isn't it? Because, you know, you, you do see players on the pitch when they're talking and they cover, they cover the mouth because... They do have that fear, don't they, of being, you know, maybe misquoted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's definitely that. So, so, you know, your football career, everything in your life has been about football. So you obviously are a big Liverpool supporter then. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, that's taking that for granted. You're a big red. Yeah, well, absolutely now. But when I was a boy, I wasn't. I, I was, my dad had played professionally at Man City and that was the team that I first began playing football for as a young boy and yeah. I speak about it in sort of my keynote because I was released at 16 which was a a huge moment in my life because the club that I'd only ever known really had turned its back on me and rejected me and it was a case of what direction to go in now and Liverpool were the one who opened that door for me and ever since moving to Liverpool at the age of 16 I've I've connected with the football club. I've I've really understood what the, the the people are about in the city, what the football club's all about, and it just I it took over my life. So now I, I can honestly talk to people as a Liverpool fan. I'm a family, my little boy, my girl, Liverpool fans. Whereas when I was 10, 11 years old, I was a Man City supporter. Whereas I think football fans who haven't experienced perhaps playing professionally, we'll think, well, how can you ever change yeah. your team? But because of the experiences 
I, I went through by being rejected and then Liverpool saying, no, 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 we're going to give you your dream. We're going to let you fulfil that dream. And then to, to be around the football club with and seeing just how big it is and the impact it has around the world, I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. And, and so I, I'm always eternally grateful for Liverpool for giving me that chance. So, yeah. Uh, so when, so funny enough, when Liverpool play Man City, I, I've invited my dad round occasionally to watch that fixture if I'm not working. And I'll always put my dad on one sofa, which is the away end, and me and my little boy in, in the home end on one sofa. And uh, and we lost the cup finals to City on penalties a few years back. Yeah. And my little boy wouldn't speak to his granddad for about an hour after because he, <laughs> he was crying his eyes out. Um, but but that's football, isn't it? You know, that emotion. So, but that's how it's changed for me, that Liverpool. And, uh, and my dad understands that. And, and how do you think this season's going to go? Because obviously City are still favourites, but Liverpool are looking strong again. Yeah, I, I do believe that if we are to win the league, then injuries are going to play a significant part, like they did last season. Um, you, you know, Liverpool missed out with, I think it was 16 different centre-half partnerships, which was like no, no team can cope with that. So, so we understood that that impacted our season. I think the fans not being there as well was huge because Liverpool have a real connection with the fans, you know, the manager, the players. And I think if we are to, to avoid another lockdown, which hopefully we, we don't experience again, the fans can remain inside Anfield and we don't experience injuries to key players. I'm thinking Alisson, thinking Van Dijk, Fabinho, Salah, then, then, then I think we're in a position to compete for that title again this year. Yeah, definitely. And have you got any funny stories from, you know, playing football? As you said, you, you've had Champions League nights, travelled Europe, uh, you know, your football career. Are there any sorts of funny stories that stand out that you'd share, that you can share? Yeah, I suppose you've got to be careful with a few of them, haven't you, really? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's plenty. You know, I mentioned a few in McKean. I suppose one of the big ones was when I played, obviously, that moment, that yes moment, scoring the winning goal against Arsenal. And you were at the Anfield Road and we had the free kick from the pretty much the dead ball line by the Anfield Road in front of the Arsenal away fans. I remember it was the last minute, it's one all at home to Arsenal, which was a good result because Arsenal were the Invincibles back then. And I turned around to my marker that day, which was Sol Campbell. Now, Sol Campbell was a top defender, England international, regarded as one of the best in the game at the time. And I turned around to him and I said, Sol, can I have your shirt at the end of the game? Now, I've got, I've got no interest in collecting shirts. I didn't particularly rate Sol Campbell as in some unbelievable player but for whatever reason I asked him for his shirt at the end of the game before the free kick was taken and he said yeah no problem so I'm buzzing so the free kick's taken anyway uh, me and Patrick Vieira uh, clash for the ball the ball goes past us it goes towards my teammate Harry Kuehl he gets cleaned out by a combination of Sol Campbell and, and actually Colo Torre who was playing for, for, for Arsenal that day and the ball fell to me nicely I've hit it Back of the net, yes moment, brilliant. Fans are celebrating like mad. One of those moments I'll certainly never forget. And then the full-time whistle went shortly after. So it scored the winning goal for Liverpool against the best team in the league, which Arsenal were at that time. And as I walked off the pitch, I've got no interest in getting Sol Campbell's shirt. All I can think of is just, <laughs> is just sharing the moment with the fans. My mum and dad were there. My brother, my sisters were there. And I just milked it for as long as I could. Honestly, I was the last one off the pitch, just absolutely <laughs> loving it. So by the time I'd done my Sky interview, got my bottle of champagne, got back in the dressing room, I'd completely forgot about that Sol Campbell shirt. Um, and it was a Sunday. Back then, that was like the main Super Sunday game. And all the lads were like, come on, let's go out for a few drinks afterwards because Liverpool on a Sunday, great night. Yeah. Oh, baby blue down there where we used to go to. And I was sat there thinking, lads, I'm absolutely exhausted here. 
Um, you know, I've played 90 minutes, which didn't happen too often. But they would say, oh, come on, everyone will be made up that you're out. I said, lads, I can't do it. I'm shattered. So we ended up, after scoring that winning goal, getting the bottle of champers, going back to my mum and dad's house, I watched match of the day two on TV with a, with a cup of tea and watched Gordon Strachan telling me what a good goal that had scored. So that was the the rock and roll night that I experienced after that high. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. It's a brilliant story as well. So, so to conclude this podcast episode, you know, we've been talking about mindset and the way you've re- reframed your mindset and some of those brilliant moments that you've had in your footballing career as well. Um, what, what, what final piece of advice would you give to, to the listeners? I would say it's up to you, nobody else, what you want to achieve. Don't wait for it. You're the one who can go and make it happen. Brilliant advice. That's great. Well, Neil, thank you very, very much for your time. Really do appreciate it. I know you have such a busy schedule. Thank you for having me. Cheers, Paul. brilliant to have Neil on the podcast today you know obviously listening to the wonder goal that he scored for Liverpool listening to his career story and obviously some of the practical tips that he has given us to develop our mindset now listening to Neil knowing that he was released by Manchester City at the age of 16 and obviously came back from that and then had what was you know a successful career as he said maybe not as successful as what he would have liked but a lot of that was down to injury and, you know, to be then forced out of the game at such an early age of 29, you know, and then have to reinvent himself and reframe his mindset to, to now have that successful career with Sky Sports and do the keynote speaking as well. So I think it's just been brilliant to listen to. Obviously, his motto, you know, the, the can-do attitude and also just for us to just do it. Just it's up to you. Just do it. You know, a little bit of Nike coming in there, but brilliant to listen to. So I um, hope you've enjoyed the episode, and I'm going to leave you with this. Behind everything we do is a why. You can do it to raise your game, or to raise the whole game. You can do it for your goal. Yeah, that goal. Or you can do it for the common goal. Hey, sometimes. You just got to prove you can do it. Again. Again. And again. Do it to set the bar. Set a record. Do it to set an example. Do it to break a sweat. Break a perception. Or do it to break free. Do it to continue a legacy. Or do it to begin life. When you do it for your why, you can't be stopped.